Hello and welcome to the latest DAC Beechcroft's Lawcast. My name is Claire Laver, Head of Markets and Strategy for Fraud in the Claim Solutions Group of DAC Beechcroft. In this episode, Mark Gallagher, a partner in our property fraud team, is joined by Jacob Bebb, an associate in his team, to discuss common misconceptions in policyholder property insurance fraud with a particular focus on fraudulent exaggeration. This is the first in a series of podcasts that we will be making on property insurance fraud, so please follow us on Lawcast for further information on the topic. Hi Jacob, uh, what would you like to talk about today? Hi Mark, I'd like to talk about some misconceptions I often come across regarding policyholder property fraud against insurance companies. When people talk about property insurance fraud, the first thing that usually springs to mind is burning down a house to claim on the insurance. However, whilst this does happen, in my experience, the most common type of fraud is actually fraudulent exaggeration of a claim by the policyholder rather than deliberate loss and damage. In addition, people can sometimes be mistaken about the extent of exaggeration required by policyholders in order to meet the threshold for constituting fraud. All right, so uh, what do insurers actually need to prove in order to establish fraudulent exaggeration? There are two key elements to proving fraudulent exaggeration. The first is dishonesty. Insurers need to prove that the insured is deliberately exaggerating their claim. If the insured has a genuine and honest belief that the claim value is Y, but it is only worth X, this will not be fraud. However, if the policyholder knows that the claim is only worth a certain amount and does something to exaggerate it, such as inflating an estimate or claiming for items that were never lost, damaged or stolen in the first place, then this would amount to dishonesty. And secondly, insurers need to prove that the exaggeration is substantial in amount rather than minimal. So what would constitute substantial exaggeration then? Well, this is a question I often ask people to gauge their opinion and frequent responses that come back are around 50% of the claim or even 100% of the claim. However, the case law in this area actually shows that the real percentage of the claim is significantly lower. One case accepts the exaggeration of around about 11% of the overall value of the claim to be fraud, with another case suggesting in a non-binding comment that exaggeration of 2.6% of the overall value of the claim could even be sufficient for proving fraud. Either way, it's significantly lower than 50%. That's very interesting. Um, So do insurers need to prove fraud beyond all reasonable doubt? No, because we're talking about fraud in the civil context, the standard of proof is still balance of probabilities, albeit because fraud is a very serious allegation to make, the courts do expect insurers to prove fraud to a high degree of probability. Of course, if the police and CPS investigate and prosecute insurance fraud in the criminal context, then the standard they need to meet to prove fraud is beyond all reasonable doubt. So if insurers can prove that a claim has been fraudulently exaggerated, What remedies will they then have? In the civil context, they can decline the entire claim, importantly even the genuine elements, void and cancel the policy from the date the claim started to be exaggerated without having to return the premium, and also recover monies that were previously paid out indemnifying the policyholder for the claim. Of course, they can also report the matter to the police to potentially investigate and prosecute the claim from a criminal perspective as well. Going back to what you said at the start there, um, could that be seen as a bit too harsh, you know, declining even the genuine elements of the claim? No, because there's a rule of public policy known as the fraudulent claims rule, which states that fraudsters cannot be allowed to think that their fraudulent behaviour will go unpunished. 
if insurers were forced to still indemnify their policyholders for the genuine elements of the claim, it will potentially open the floodgates to wide-scale fraud, as fraudsters will try their luck by deliberately exaggerating their claims, knowing that even if insurers find out about this, they can still be indemnified for the genuine elements. Well, that's good to know. Um, obviously, there was some case law a few years ago, which people thought would make a, a big difference in this area. So what is the impact of the Supreme Court decision in the sloot dredging against HDI girling um, on fraudulent exaggeration of claims? Well, in Vaslu, insurers sought to invoke fraud following a claim for the loss of a ship after a manager lied about the cause of the sinking to increase the prospects of getting the claim covered, even though the true cause was still covered by the relevant insurance policy. Both the High Court and Court of Appeal upheld the insurer's invocation on the basis that the lie constituted a fraudulent device designed to gain an advantage. However, when the case was appealed to the Supreme Court, the Supreme Court disagreed and held that a fraudulent device is not material unless it relates to insurer's indemnity obligations. The upshot of the ruling in Vesloot was that it removed the use of fraudulent devices, i.e. lies and false documents used to support an insurance claim and gain an advantage as a standalone ground on which insurers can invoke fraud. Fraudulent devices can only be relied upon if they support another ground on which to invoke fraud. For example, if the insured creates false documents to exaggerate the value of their claim and the insurer can still invoke fraud because the insured is deliberately exaggerating their claim and this is one of the grounds on which insurers are entitled to invoke fraud. The fraudulent activity is not the creation of the false documents and lies per se but the fact that those lies and false documents are used to deliberately exaggerate the claim and to recover monies that would not otherwise be payable. So that's interesting distinction there Jacob and I guess one that um, handlers are going to have to have to make themselves or seek advice upon. So, so finally what would your advice be uh, to claims handlers when they're assessing claims on how to spot potential exaggeration? Well the key is to validate all the evidence that the policyholder presents in support of their claim. If for example they provide an estimate for repair works contact the supplier of that estimate and confirm that they did in fact provide it and also provided it at the price that was presented. Secondly, they should always check the scope of any repair works to make sure that it only covers the damage that is covered by the insurance policy and not unrelated works. Also, it's important to check that the supplier is in fact a valid business or company. And I can't stress this next point enough. Always double check that any VAT number presented is correct and that the VAT can in fact be claimed. If a claim is for the theft of various items, always cross-reference the list of any stolen goods with the police report that was submitted. Little things like this can have a big impact on validating the overall claim. Uh, that's excellent, Jacob. Thank you.